If you're joining with us for the first time, welcome. My name is Brent. I'm part of the team around here at Arise, and uh, it's great to be sharing the Word of God with you today. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called All the Feels. We're talking about emotional health, and uh, disappointment was our topic for this morning, and uh, it seems so apt, um, given that the, the, the devil, I mean, England won last night, and, um, and so we're going to be talking about it this morning. But before we get going into today's topic, I just want to recap um, Pastor John's message a couple of weeks ago and just really highlight for us some things that are important to us in our lives to always remember when we're talking about emotions. Number one is that God has emotions. Uh, second thing is that God made us emotional. It's not a bad thing to have emotions. It's not somehow sinful or wrong. It is actually something that we we're created to be. Um, I'm going to get you to open that for me, buddy. Thank you, Sam. I saw your parents last weekend. There we go. If you couldn't see that online, Sam just covered himself in water. I was planning to drink it, but he just wanted to pour it out like a drink offering before the Lord. Uh, God made us to be emotional. Emotions are all through the Bible. And uh, emotions are a real part of our lives. They really are. You shouldn't try and deny them. You've got you to learn how to work with them, and they're going to help you in life. But following Jesus means that we are part of God's kingdom. And, you know, we, we live in this world that is fallen. Sin is in the world. It is not the original part of God's plan for us to experience some of the things that we experience because of sin. And so in our lives, our emotions are not always going to go naturally in the right direction because of our fallen humanity. And so being part of God's kingdom means aligning our emotions and, and allowing God to impact our emotional state and our emotional world to bring us into the fullness of who we created us to be. And so we've been going through this series. I know last week, Pastor John spoke on anxiety. Today, we're going to be speaking about disappointment because how we process the emotion of disappointment, of loss, of, of, of grief, of all these kinds of things is, is very important to our growth and our maturity in life, it, as well as impacting, obviously, our well-being and, and our joy and, and this quality of our life. And the good news is that the Bible tells us many stories of people who experienced disappointment and loss and tragedy and yet still be fulfilled the purpose of God for their lives. And I want to talk to you about one of these people today as we dive into the Word of God. I want to talk to you about a young man. Well, he started off as a young man. We all do, but uh, I was young once and now I'm old. But, you know, a, a man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph, the Bible talks about Joseph from about the age of 17, and at the age of 17, Joseph had God speak a word into his heart. He had a dream in his life that God was going to do something great. And he began to share that dream with his family. The Bible records of Joseph's family that his father loved him more than all of his brothers. And so his brothers, they all hated him. A couple of points for every family to know. Number one, sibling rivalry is not new. It's been around since the Bible. And point two, your family's not the only crazy one in the world, right? So, so Joseph's brothers hated him, and they hated him so much that they sold him into slavery as a 17-year-old. I personally don't know that they really understood the ramifications of their actions, but they sold him into slavery, and Joseph was taken down to Egypt. He was serving in Potiphar's house as a slave. And eventually he was charged with a crime that he didn't commit, but he was convicted of that crime and put into prison. And Joseph would be in the prison or in part of his house, a slave or a prisoner, 
for 11 years of his life, from 17 to 28. At the age of, uh, during that period of time in prison, uh, there were two men who were put in the prison who both had dreams that Joseph interpreted. One of them was placed back in a position of power beside Pharaoh, and he had promised Joseph that he would help him out and would get him out of the prison. But when he got back to the place of power, he totally forgot about Joseph and never used his influence to help him at all. Later, Pharaoh has a dream and this man remembers what had happened years earlier and Joseph is brought up and in a miraculous move of God, Joseph becomes the second most powerful man in all the land and and runs Egypt. His family would eventually come to Egypt and he would be reunited with his family 20 years after he was sold into slavery from 17 to 37 and then he was finally reunited with his family. And many times when we talk about the story, we talk about the power of a dream. And I believe in dreams and I believe in the power of a dream. But I want us to talk about it from a different aspect today. I want to talk about it from the aspect of 20 years of disappointment. 17 to 37, betrayed, sold, hated, falsely accused, imprisoned, helped someone out who never repaid the deal. Someone who would let you down and the pain and the loss and the 20 years of disappointment in his life, in Joseph's life. And wherever you are today, whatever your life is looking like, whether you're in this service in Wellington, whether you're online somewhere around New Zealand or the world, you need to know that in life, sometimes we walk through seasons of disappointment that can be long. Joseph's season was 20 years long. I don't know how long your season has been or will be, my friend, but it can be long. The, the, the source of the pain can sometimes be very close to us. I mean, it was Joseph's brothers that sold him into slavery. It can be family, it can be close friends that disappoint and let us down. It seems like Joseph became close friends with the man in prison who then just forgot about him when he came back to the place of power. And many times the source of our pain is close to us. The third thing you need to know is that our challenges are often layered. Life is not simple, and it can be layer upon layer, disappointment upon disappointment that can drive that sometimes deeper into our hearts and in our souls today. Um, Joseph was firstly betrayed. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was jailed. He was forgotten. He was hated, and he went through all these things layer upon layer upon layer as he went through this journey of disappointment. But you need to know, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going past in life, that the outcome might not be what you expect it to be. And life does not always just follow linear lines. And we serve a God who is able to do amazing things in our lives and who is able to turn all things together for good. And Joseph ended his life as a powerful and significant man. But in his mid-30s, you'd have never said it was possible as he languished in a prison cell. And through it all, whatever we walk through, we must always remember that God is God and God is good. And no matter what life throws at us, God never changes. But we all face disappointment. And I don't know what disappointments you've walked through in your life. I just want to share a couple of mine. And then we're going to really come to the Word of God to see the truth of that and to shift us. But, you know, when I was 20 years old, uh, my best friend died. He was, it was a tragic death. I was there with him when he died. I did CPR on him until the ambulance arrived. Uh, he was pronounced dead that night. 
and I carried his coffin at his funeral. And for me, that was, without a doubt, the darkest season of my life that I have ever walked through. As I walked through that pain, walked through that disappointment, walked through all of the stuff that that threw up in my emotional world. And you need to know today that what brought me out of that season was when I discovered the truth of God's Word in specific areas of my life. And today I'm praying that as we share about this subject of disappointment, that there are people all over this room and all over the world that God is going to speak into your heart today. And the truth of God's Word will set you free today, my friend, in Jesus' name. I believe that with all my heart. Come on, can I get a witness in the church this morning? We all have families. Joseph's family sold him into slavery. I've grown up, I, I consider myself, by the way, I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of bad stories, but I consider myself to be a very blessed man. Um, I grew up in a family, my younger brother has Asperger's, which if you don't know what that is, it's on the autism spectrum. And that for me, as a, especially as a child, was a really big deal. I, at school, uh, struggled with the way that other kids would tease my brother and would treat him. And as a young child, and I would never condone violence in any fashion or any way, but as a young child was often involved in fights in the playground, protecting my brother from the taunts of other kids and, and just had a lot of anger and a lot of, and I used to think, why me? Why does, why does it my brother? What am I going through? And, and we see this in the world today where many people are involved in families and maybe raising children that have significant medical challenges and, and, and these kinds of things are real challenges in our lives and we have to learn what it is to come to God. For me, I learned what it was to surrender that to God. And I surrendered the situation that I can't control and I can't change. And I said, God, I'm not God, you are. And I'm giving you that control. And the deeper that surrender got in my heart, the more that God set me free from the pain and the disappointment of that thing. And, and, uh, and I believe today that God can help people who are walking through situations like that as well. It's also just normal disappointments. You know, I mean, I remember leaving school, going for jobs, and sitting in job interviews, believing I had a job and then finding out I didn't, you know. That was, that was hard. I, I'll never forget uh, in the, my last year at school trying out for the first 15. And, I mean, obviously they didn't know that I was an athlete. And if I'd have been on the field last night, things would have been different. <laughs> Probably would have been 100 nil. And, uh, and so I remember sitting in the changing room. And all my friends' names getting read out, selected for the team, and mine wasn't read out, and the disappointment of that. And we're going to walk through life, and we're going to, you know what, to really grow, you have to open yourself up to the possibility of disappointment as well. Because if you don't try new things and attempt things that are maybe just beyond your reach, you never know if you can reach them, and you're just going to limit your life. And added to that, of course, you know, the pain of last night, the disappointment of the All Blacks, and, you know, from 87 to 2011, it was a long time between cups, you know, for those of us who are able to, old enough to remember, 87, you know, when the All Blacks won the first Rugby World Cup. I'll never forget 2011, watching the final, 8-7, we're on the front row of our church building. It was on a Sunday night, if you remember it, and we're watching this game, and, uh, and the, the building was full, and, I'm, and I'm, I was actually, it was 8-7, about 15 minutes ago, I was in a kind of a fetal position, but standing, and uh, I get like that. I have to warn people, if you're going to watch the game with me, you need to know, I tremble and I can end up at a fetal. It does happen quite often. Because um, I get cold, but I'm sweating. Like, it's, it's kind of weird. But uh, this is what I have to work with, people. Pray for me. And, and my, my 10-year-old son, two seats down from me, starts crying because of the pressure of the game. And, the, you know, and my wife turns to me and says, and she says to him, hey, don't worry, but it's only a game. She turns to me and says, tell him it's only a game. 
I said, I can't say that. That's, that's not true. But, um, but we're going to face disappointment in life. That God is bigger than our disappointments. And whatever it is that you're walking through, whatever the disappointments, you'll have your own list of disappointments, your own things. And if you haven't got any, then just get ready because they're coming. And, um, and we need to know how to handle disappointments. So I've got three really easy points, simple points, but powerful today. If you're walking through disappointments, first thing that you need to do, write this down, my friend, let it out. Let it out. You have to express your pain. We need a place to bring disappointment out. Pastor John launched a series talking from Psalm 73 about Asif, and he's really, he's just expressing disappointment through the first part of his psalm. He's just, he's just venting his emotions. We have to let our emotions out. I'm speaking to Kiwi men in this room today. You have to learn how to express your emotions. I'm not saying it's easy, and I definitely did not find it easy myself, but we have to learn how to express our emotions. A couple of years ago in Christchurch, we had fires on the Port Hills, and we live on the Port Hills. We were evacuated from our house because the fires got very close, about, got about 70 meters from our home, and, um, and so we were evacuated. We weren't allowed to go back to our house for about eight days. But the thing was this, after only a few days, the fires were out, but they wouldn't let us go back to our house. And they had a public meeting. We're sitting there, we're going, why can't we go home? <laughs> like, the fires are out. I can see the fires are out. And they said, what you don't understand is that a fire burns above the ground, but when it goes into the forest, and there's a forest, well, there was a forest just above our house, uh, and they would log that. And they said, what's happened is they've been logging that for long enough, and they've felled trees, and there's roots underground. The fires have now gone under the ground. And it looks like they're out, but they're not. They're just burning under the ground. A fire that's burning under the ground is hotter than a fire that burns above the ground. And it can move below the ground as well. It burns through root systems, and it burns through old, fouled trees, and it can move around. And eventually, though, it will come back up to the surface, and it will spring up. And we can't just leave it and wait till it comes back up because we don't know where it will come up or what it will look like. So we have to go in and dig the fire up. When we dig it up, it'll burst back into life, and we need firemen there, and we're bringing helicopters to drop water to put the fire back out again, and we have to work systematically through. They're literally flying helicopters with thermal imaging so they could see the hot spots to dig up so they could deal with the fires. Here's what I've learned about life is that many people push their emotions down and think because they're not on the surface, they're not real. They're not there anymore. That fire is still burning, my friend, and it'll burn hotter, and you don't know where it will spring up. That's why we need a place that we can bring out how we're feeling. That's why every Christian needs a life group. You need a group of people you're going to sit with and say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And know that when that fire is released, it might flare up. But those people are going to help you work through that issue, work through those emotions. It's a safe place so we can learn how to handle those things and work them forward. We need a place to let it out. The Bible says of Joseph, in Genesis 45 verses 1 and 2 that he cleared the room that he was in got rid of everyone he didn't feel safe around and then he broke down and he wept he had a safe place to let his emotions out and we need to let it out we need to let it out um we talked about a few of these things already in this series, but I do just want to bring it back. If you're really struggling to express your emotions for me the thing that really helped me was taking a journal and writing my feelings down um, I found it very hard to articulate them. I, I started writing, what do I feel? And I tried to just get lost in, forget about what I was writing and just write. 
I don't know if that makes sense, but just write and just let it flow. And often I'd read back and go, well, did I write that? That's crazy. What am I on? What's wrong with me? You know? Uh, but I realized that actually was what I was feeling. And it gave me the ability to do that. We, we need to, I believe in journaling. I also believe in praying and telling God how we feel. Here's what you need to know. When you can name an emotion, you gain power over that emotion. Um, they, they do imaging of the brain and they found that when they, when somebody is shown a picture of someone with an aggressive kind of uh, emotion on their face, something, then the brain fires up in the fear part of it, of the brain. And then when they then said to the person, what are you feeling? And they expressed their emotion. The moment they started to do that, the brain stopped working in the fear area and went over to the area that is about rational thought. And so they said, what happens? It lowers the intensity of the emotion. It doesn't take the emotion away, but it lowers the intensity of it. You gain power over it. You're able to rationally work through your emotions. We don't want to minimize our emotions, but we want to work with them because they're there. God has given them to help us move forward in life. So we need to name them. We need to bring them to God in prayer. And God is not looking for you to pray in the King James Version of the Bible. God is not looking for you to pray long prayers. And God is not looking for you to pray with Christianese in your jargon and in prayer. God is looking for our hearts to be open in prayer. Jesus on the cross, he just literally just prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's just opening his heart to God with the way that he's feeling. You've got to let it out. You've got to let it out. The second thing we need to do, uh, if you're writing notes, take, take this down, let it in. Let out our pain and let in the Word of God. We've got to get hold of the Word of God and allow God's Word to begin to shape our beliefs. Because God's Word is always true, but many times what we believe is actually not true, but is a result of the life that we have lived, the experiences that we've had, our family of origin, our cultural background, all of these things impact what we believe to be true. But we need to understand that the only ultimate source of truth is the Word of God. So we have to come back to it in seasons of disappointment and, and allow it to shift our beliefs and our thinking. For me, I discovered this, I said earlier, when my friend died, and I was sitting in a Bible college class, and, and our lecturer was talking about the book of Psalms and talking about David's life. And man, I mean, we're talking about Joseph, but you could talk about David too, couldn't you? When he, he killed Goliath, think, I mean, you would have to think, I just saved the country. The king is going to be so happy with me. And instead, the king gets jealous and tries to kill him. I mean, crazy. Imagine how disappointing that was for David. He had to leave his family, had to leave his wife, had to leave his best friend, had to flee and live in tents and caves and try to just keep alive. It must have been just such a horrendous emotional experience. But David just wrote these Psalms as he expressed his emotions to God. And he went through this whole thing showing how many of the, the Psalms start off really negative and end up really positive. You ever noticed that? Because when you express things to God, God is able to do a work in our lives. And then he used this phrase that, I, I, I didn't really like it. I still don't really like the phrase, but it has been so powerful for me that I want to share it with you as he was in this class. And he said, guys, when you're come, going through negative experience and your emotions are really struggling, God can handle the raw effluent of your emotions. And I thought, wow, that's, that's such a strong phrase. But you know what happened? Is that I realized something about God, the truth of His Word, shifted what I believed about God. And for me, that changed everything in that journey. And I was able to bring those things to God where I had held them away from Him, thinking that I somehow needed to kind of holy them up a little bit. 
And I realized, no, God doesn't need that from me. And so that truth changed my life. I don't know what truth you need in your world. I don't know what you're walking through. But here's what I know is that the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy your life. And the way that he does it most times is to whisper lies that erode your faith. And he will do anything he can to separate you from God and from his love. And we need to be people who are coming to the truth of God's word. Listen, your emotions won't necessarily tell you the truth. What they tell you is that you need truth. And we need to be people who are coming to the word of God. We don't want to be those people. Like, look, Job's comforters. If you know the story of Job, he lost everything. All his kids died, lost all his money, lost everything. And then people came to comfort him. And what they did in comforting him was tell him, you must have sinned or you don't have enough faith. Uh, those are not the people I want when I'm going through a bad season in life, right? But a lot of people still believe in that. When I walk through hard challenges in life and things are bad, maybe I've sinned or maybe I don't have enough faith. No, maybe it's just life. And bad things do happen to good people. And that's why I love the story of Joseph, because Joseph is one of only two people in the Bible who is, has no sin ever recorded against him. Joseph and Jesus. Jesus never sinned. Joseph did, but the Bible never records his sins, because what it's saying to us is that when you walk through dark periods of life, even 20 years long, but Joseph had done nothing wrong in the midst of that. It wasn't a result of his sin. It wasn't a result of a lack of something in him. It was just what was happening, and God was able to turn it around for good at the end of his life. And I believe with all my heart that God is able to work in every situation and in every life. We just have to process the pain and the disappointment and bring ourselves to the Word of God and allow that to transform what we believe. Max Licardo says it about this, we must let God define good. Our definition includes health, comfort, and recognition. God's definition in the case of his son, Jesus Christ, the good life consisted of struggles, storms, and death. But God worked it all together for the greatest good, his glory and our salvation. And I want to encourage you all over this room that when we walk through these challenges, God is with us. You're going to read Psalm 23. You're going to read Isaiah 43. You're going to see that God is with you through the fire, through the valley, through the flood. God is with you. But what we need to ask ourselves is in all of this, what do I believe? And allow the truth of God's Word to transform our hearts. Asif in Psalm 73 verse 21, as he came out, he, he said these words, I love this. He said, when I saw all of this, what turmoil filled my heart, it piercing my opinions with your truth. And that's what we need, church. We need God's truth to pierce our beliefs, to pierce our opinions, to come in and transform our hearts in Jesus' name as we walk through the things of life. Because our situation is not the only thing that's creating our feelings. Our beliefs are directly impacting how we feel. And we have to change that because your circumstances plus your beliefs will equal your emotional state. And sometimes we're going to walk through things and we're going to have emotions that we know aren't the right emotions. Listen, if you're going through a sad season in life, somebody dies, those things, you're going to feel sad. Biblical good emotion, uh, beliefs are going to leave you feeling legitimate pain and emotion, right? We're not trying to discount those things. 
But here's what I know, is that if we have unbiblical beliefs in our lives, we're believing things that aren't true, and we're walking through dark seasons, we're going to start to experience emotions like hatred and despair, and like we're overwhelmed and we'll never come through it. Those emotions are not what God wants us to experience, and they are appointed to us, that we now need to let it out with somebody that we trust, and we need to let the truth of God's Word come into our lives and begin to shift our thinking in Jesus' name. Are you with me this morning? Let it out, let it in. And third thing is the band joins me on stage is we need to let it go. We have to learn the power of surrender. The power of surrender. And I know in a room like this, or the size of this room and everybody around the world watching online, that there will be people who are walking through things that you can't change. If you could change, you would them. But if you could change them, you would, but you can't. And there are many things in life that are like that. And I've learned through my experiences, I've grown with my, with my family, my brother, just to say, you know what, God, I can't change what's happening here. I can't change this, but I surrender it to you. And I believe that you will turn it all things together for good. And I've just allowed God to be God. And I've decided that I'll just be Brent. In Daniel chapter 3, we read this amazing story of these three young guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they, they come, they're in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is the king. He sets up a golden statue, says everyone has to bow to the statue of himself. I mean, talk about an ego. And, uh, and these three guys are refused to bow. He says, I'm going to throw you into, the, into a furnace. You're going to die. And this is, what, this is what they said back in Daniel 3 and verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. We know that He did. But this, is, this next sentence is what I want you to get today as we're talking about surrender. Even if He doesn't, we want to make it clear. We will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. See, these three men, they're saying, hey, listen, it might look like you've got control, but we don't surrender to you. We surrender to God. I'm going to be able to control this situation. I'm going to be able to change these circumstances. But I don't surrender to them. I surrender to God. I don't surrender to you, Nebuchadnezzar. My God's able to change this. But even if He doesn't, I still surrender to Him. I still trust Him. I still put my life in His hands. Surrender means that even if God doesn't do what we want God to do, we still belong and we still trust in Him. And we give those emotions to Jesus. We, we bring them to the foot of the cross. And we say, God, these are yours. These are my emotions. This is how I feel. And I surrender the situation to you. I lay it down. I lay down my disappointment. And I trust in you. See, Asif said in Psalm 73, though my flesh and my heart fail me, God is the strength of my heart. What are you saying? Hey, listen, I might be going through situations I might be facing this thing and everything inside me is just going, I can't handle this. This is too big. I'm disappointed. I feel ripped off. But my strength is found in saying, God, you are my strength. And I surrender myself to you. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is none upon the earth that I desire but you. He just came to God and said, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And you need to know today, that the strength that we can find in our emotions is found in our surrender to God. All over this room, I'd love you. Would you please stand, every person, wherever you are? 
is the quietest standing room in the whole world. When I do that in crotches because the chairs flick up. Your, your chairs are obviously padded. They go bang, 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 bang. It's like, oh my God. Joseph, Joseph surrendered his hurt. He surrendered his pain. He just surrendered his disappointment to God. The Bible records that after those 20 years, he was reunited with his family and his father came and lived in Egypt with him. And you remember at the start, we said his father loved him more than all his other brothers. So you can imagine that was a fantastic season of Joseph's life with his father there and they would have had a great relationship and kind of reconnected. But then Joseph's dad dies and his brothers are terrified because Joseph, remember, has a tremendous power. When they had power, they sold him to slavery and they're worried now, what's he gonna do to us? And they're afraid and, and they're, they're scared and they send a message to Joseph saying, you know, Hey, we're really sorry. Don't, don't kill us, basically. They're afraid he's going to take revenge. Here's what Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 to his brothers. He said, listen, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And I don't know what you're walking through in life today in this room, online, wherever you are in the world, but here's what I know is that what is intended for evil, God can turn it for good. God can only use things that are surrendered to Him. God can only use things that we give to Him. You intended it for evil, God turned it for good. What are you walking through? Might not be anyone who's doing evil in your life, but there are things in your life that appear oppressing evil in your life. Listen, God can use it for good, whatever it is, but we need to surrender it to Him. He can only use what we surrender. And so we're going to sing this song, Waymaker, in a moment. And I asked the band to sing this this morning because I do believe there are people in this room, you are walking through a darkness. I talked about this season I walked through, a tremendous darkness. But God is the light in your darkness. And in the bridge it says He never stops working. Even when you can't see it, when you don't feel it, when it doesn't appear in any way like God's doing anything, He's still working. God is working on your behalf. He is working for your good. And come on, would you lift your hands to heaven all over this room? You say, I surrender it to you, Jesus.